Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Halbkasten mit Tom Reimann an David Bell. the guy cut grass outside my apartment it's incredible so one of those nice. lawnmowers that you get to stand up on so he, he looks like the future stand <laughs> up on yeah it's like a standing mower it's like one of those huge commercial mowers that they, that they mow like athletic fields with oh, okay yeah. okay if, I would... I, if i'm paying that much for a motor i want to be able to recline on the mower <laughs> i do not want that's to what i was standing. gonna say <laughs> Yeah, why would he, why would I want to stand on a mower that you? Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's true. It seemed a lot cooler in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, cool to watch, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah from indoors, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, from in the air conditioning, it looks pretty sweet. It's like, oh look, George Jetson's cutting the grass. Yeah. Um. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome to episode of Hypecast. Hypecast! It is the show where we get hyped about stuff and things. I'm your co-host, Tom Ryman. I'm your other co-host, David Bell. I'm Jason Pargin. I, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm not saying that there's not a lot to be hyped about. There's always there's always something to be hyped about. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. our job to, to, find, to find out what it is. I'm just saying that this particular week, a- after August is over, summer season's over... Nobody really plans, you know, it's before the Halloween and, and the, the holiday big blockbusters. This is something of a dry spell in the entertainment la- landscape. Yeah. And always has been, for, for whatever reason. Um, this is why everyone hates hates late August, early September, back to school season. There's just not, there's not as much, there's still tremendous hype and buzz out there. We are going to, this this podcast is still going to be electrifying. Yeah. Yes. But there's maybe not as much as there would have been in, say, May or whatever on the cusp of, of right. all of the all of the many great blockbusters that came out this summer. I don't even need to recount them. There were so many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we yeah, have you was... on here to help with the hype because <laughs> we are. We it's not. We don't have the spooky hypes yet or yeah, the Christmas it's, hypes. It's not time for. It's not time for Shocktober yet. No. Nope. Uh, it's it's not time for Shocksember yet. No. Nope. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking all yeah. the all the great blockbusters. There was Top Gun. There was uh, seeing Top Gun again. Yeah, was... <laughs> that's uh, yeah. A, Jura- that's it, a right? Jurassic Park movie came out this summer. That is wild. Yeah, to think right. About. Yeah, and it was that... it was in and out of theaters in like three weeks. Yeah, 
It apparently did fine. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's kind of fine. Yeah. You know, not... Listen, listen. Right. <laughs> when you're spending $600 million another, on a Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun, I assume, is continues to be like the number one thing in the box office right now, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, how could it not be? It's It's on track to be one of the biggest domestic hits ever. Like, I think right. it's already in the top 10. We really needed Top Gun. Apparently, man. <laughs> I am glad they held out. Yeah. I'm glad. Honestly, yes. <laughs> As I was yeah. watching it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, uh, it's the only IMAX movie, I think, this year for me. Like, I can't, I can't imagine another movie on IMAX right now. How many movies have you guys seen in theaters in 2022 so far? Well, we see like on average one a, one a week. For oh, our, okay. For the our job for the podcast, it hasn't oh. been that often this year, though. Like we've done, right. we, it's we, probably we've been done like, a lot on streaming. It's probably than, been like fifty yeah. fifty, yeah. Not as yeah. much as like in 2018, 2019, when we were first doing it, where it was like literally we were in the theater every week. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I, yeah. I've been twice. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's the normal amount. Yeah, I, think I think that's average. That's about right. What did you see? I don't remember. I, I seriously don't. Because the movie that we saw wasn't, it was more like, hey, this will be the weekend we're going to get back in the theater. And we saw whatever whatever it was that was, that right. was out. I don't, but I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like a lot of people. I'm still, I don't know. It, it, we, we'll, we'll get into it, but it became like not a regular part of my life even more so than it hadn't been before Uh, it's um but i think it's not that everyone stopped going to the movies top gun is proof of that but to a certain segment of the population that may be 20 percent people who used to go just broke the habit i think yeah but we'll get into it yeah for sure we will get into it speaking of getting Uh, into it dave we should start should we thank uh producers we should probably do that yeah yeah let's thank some of our producers big thank you to Driftless, Prince of Darkness. Mm. Uh, thank you, Driftless. Uh, thank you to Hombre. Hom- thank Hombre. you. Thank you. Thank you to Heathcliff's Helping Handfuls. Thank you so much. <clears throat> thank you to the conveniently placed self-destruct button on the top of every baby's head. Listen, so convenient. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Samuel Beckett's Donuts and Mortgage Emporium. Thank you. Thank you to Snapper Car, Punches God in the Dick. Sure thank does. you. Thank you to at Nerd Numbers. Thank you. Thank you to Mike the Lurker. Thank mm. you. Thank you to Dracula the Bus Driving Vampire. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Brockway Loves the Meat Millie. Yeah, he does. Thank you to David Knife, Knife Boot. Boot Hansen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let me get in here. Uh, thank you to Grumblebee. Thank, thank you. Thank you to Screaming Horse Pyramid. Thank you. It's an unnecessary thing to do with horses. Uh, thank you to Look Mom on a podcast. Thank you. Thank you to Zex Marquise, the Lighting Baron. That's a new. That's a new one. (laughs) That's that's a that's a fantastical name. Uh, Thank you to Deborah's awesome. Barbara's great, and cancer can go to hell. Thank you. Oh shit! I haven't had to read this one in a while. Uh, Thank you to Numino Ultra. Numinal Ultra Microscopic Silico Volcano Coniosis Anti Disestablishmentarianism Jones. Woo! Thank you to the baby from Eraserhead. Thank you. Thank you to Chiz Lily Tits. Thank you. Thank you to these seven Bs. Thanks. And thank you to Breezy Ruizy. Thank you. 
And now it's time. <laughs> now it's time. For the trailer everybody's talking about. Uh, I, uh, hold on. I, I, as the world's worst podcast guest, I have to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> Do this it. Is, this is something. This is a note for people. I, I realize I could have left this for the end of the show, but, but I, I'm sorry. Some of you guys out there listening, you listen to the whole family of former cracked podcast people to this show, Alex's show, The Dog Zone with Sean Baby and Robert Brockway, uh, all of them. Next month, <laughs> as early and toward the middle of the month, my book comes out called If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. I am going this to be true. on all of those shows <laughs> in a span of like five days, unless <laughs> unless something happens that, that gets in the way. But the plan, the, I am scheduled to be on all of them. To most people will not notice because most people just listen to just one show or they listen to stuff weeks later, right? They, they don't immediately, it's not a, a live broadcast. To right. some of you, to some of you, you're going to listen to literally like nine shows that week that all have me on them yeah it's gonna be like 16 hours of your voice <laughs> across all <laughs> this these is shows not, i i you have to understand as fragmented as the media landscape is if you are an author doing it full-time as i am to have even a glimmer of hope of selling enough books the first week that it convinces the publisher and bookstore chains and everyone else to keep supporting it you have to spam every channel you're on because otherwise the lack of overlap in the audience, you won't reach everyone. But what that means is that the really true loyal fans just absolutely get drowned in what to you will sound, will you would think of as, oh my gosh, this is just a media carpet bombing of, of the media landscape. And you have to realize that, no, this is me broadcasting to a microscopic little niche <laughs> that most people right. in America and around the world will never, 10 years from now, will never have heard of the book or me and still to this day <laughs> will never know who I am. I am, I am not a, a famous author. I'm only famous to this small niche of people who loved Cracked and loved the post-Cracked stuff or whatever. So I am apologizing but not in a way that is admitting I'm doing anything wrong. I'm trying to explain. That's the best kind of apology. Yes. That's my favorite apology. <laughs> I am sorry if you are annoyed. I, I, it's right. not my intention to annoy you. But uh, this is this is all that I have. This is this is how this is how I pay the mortgage. So anyway. for us, it's it's great because we always I always feel weird asking people to be on podcasts. So like to have you be like, can I be a guest? it's just like absolutely for the love of god yes like uh it's delightful for us and i i'd like to think it's delightful for our listeners so i, I, think I really do try to at least come in somewhat prepared with, with things to say yeah. that makes it worthwhile for them uh, like i try not to just <laughs> to just show up on, on all of them like doing the the talk show circuit where the celebrities used to have like a clip from the and they would tell the same anecdote every mm, time right <laughs> I, it, it's not that we we have other stuff for you to listen to but anyway we so can prepare that, some of those questions for you if you like like where do you get yeah. your ideas from where do you get your ideas who <laughs> <laughs> was the biggest prankster on the set of your movie um anyway have you ever All written right. anything that you were too scared to write <laughs> or whatever they asked stephen king like have you ever written anything that scared uh, yeah. yourself yeah or what happened to you in childhood that made you <laughs> focus on spooky spooky things 
It's like, well, I read <laughs> read spooky books and watched spooky movies. That's it. Have you ever um, seen sp- anything creepy in your real life? No, not not even once. Not <laughs> no, even one time. Not a single time. <laughs> not a, not not hide nor hair of a ghost. No, uh, no, yeah, nothing. Well, uh, speaking of creepy things, Pinocchio. Pinocchio, folks. yes. Jesus, this Pinocchio trailer. <laughs> I, I okay. So I, well, I didn't expect it to be this creepy. Yeah, we have w- to clarify which Pinocchio movie we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. True. There are four Pinocchio movies coming out in 2022, including one from um, a stop motion one coming from Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro has got one coming to Netflix. Uh, Roberto in, Benigni is making his second Pinocchio movie, except this time I thought it he's, was his third. It yeah. might be his third. I know the last he's time Geppetto. He, he's yeah, Geppetto right. this time, but the previous time he was Pinocchio, and that was just a mistake. <laughs> yeah, but this is the one. This is the one with Tom Hanks. As this is the Geppetto. Disney one. Yeah, the Disney, the Disney one, Disney Channel ones coming out of theaters is Disney Channel exclusive. I think it's just a Disney, uh, what are they, Disney Plus thing. So uh, those which of is you wild. Yeah, who who listen to every episode of the show, or if you do listen to just the ones I'm on, you've heard us cover previous Disney Pinocchio trailers four or five times, uh, and each time we noticed that they weren't showing Pinocchio. It was just showing (laughs) Geppetto, and then there was a slight hint of some really bad, weird, uncanny valley CGI. There's like a a cat or something like, well, that that doesn't look right. Why didn't they just use a live action cat? So in this trailer, we have the full Monty. We have Mm -hmm. the full on, full on Pinocchio puppet CGI dead eyed stare experience. Uh, What was really funny to me was that they were hiding Pinocchio for so long until this latest trailer. And he just looks like fucking Pinocchio, like the same he's looked right, since he looks the exactly 40s. Like the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but that was the thing. That's why I was actually surprised by this trailer because yeah. I was mentally prepared for what I was going to see. You, you and think then when that. I saw it, I was like, <laughs> he doesn't look right at all. No, he doesn't. Like, <laughs> it's sort of like when they did the Lion King live, quote unquote, live action, and I wasn't prepared to, like, that... the realization that lions have no expression. <laughs> they can't emote. And then you're like, yeah, and then you watch it, and you're, you're like, well, I knew in my yeah. head that this was, it was the... what it was going to be, oh, but man. now seeing it. The I was just real quick. The Lion King Mufasa's death scene went from like the saddest thing ever to the funniest five seconds yeah. of movie I've ever seen in the live action. Yeah, well, it's great because if you were to mute the dialogue in that movie and just watch them, it's just a bunch of animals hanging around doing yeah. stuff. They like, can't because, emote because they can't emote or act. It's just like you're just watching a bunch of. It's like, oh, that one fell off a rock. Yeah. yeah, and then it, like, yeah, it zooms in on the little cat's face. Oh my god! Anyway, oh man, but yeah, this, uh, yeah, it looks like Pinocchio, but it's man, he looks He's weird. Just yeah, dead it's, eyed. yeah, there's, dead eyes. There's something of, I guess it's, it's that it's maybe too plastic, or because it's not quite Uncanny Valley because Pinocchio doesn't look real, but like. It's it, it it feels more like Annabelle, you know, or like it, it's it's like a yeah. it's like a haunted doll movie, and that's not probably the vibe they're no. going for. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, it's it's I don't know, man. I don't know if this is actually going to scare kids or not. I don't think kids, so. You know, kids don't get freaked out about these things. It's not that, but it is just it, it's not like that. To me, it's not like that 
frightening. It's just he just it's weird. Like he feels like he it's doesn't off. he doesn't fit. Yeah, with the rest of the movie. There's a I think it's a thing. It's the uncanny valley idea, right? Is that even though he doesn't look like a person, mm-hmm. I feel like I naturally am afraid of him. Like my body <laughs> is telling me you need to get away. The from speaking this. wooden boy is uh, unnatural. Well, it's to be unnatural. Clear, the Tom Tom Hanks is not CGI. It's no. just live action film of him. They've blended with a CGI Pinocchio. That's the issue. Is it? I think in a universe where everything looks like that, you don't have that contrast where you can see one of the world's greatest actors doing you know human face stuff, and then you have this cartoon puppet where. I don't know. It, it's maybe there's no way, you know, to do a, a physical puppet that would also wouldn't look weird, but at least it would be a a puppet. I don't know. It's maybe there's no way to do it that looks right. And maybe to it, the kids of today, maybe they won't see this as creepy. But I thought it was extremely unsettling. And I personally believe they hid Pinocchio for the, the I think it was a Sonic the Hedgehog situation where they were <laughs> screwing around with the design, trying to get it so that the people they showed it to wouldn't scream when they saw it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this is like what they wound up with. It's like, this is as close as we can get it. It's like, yeah. we're sorry. This is... <laughs> There's also the this f- feeling of the f- like... I'm sorry, the first test group was just ripping their faces off like Gina Davis and Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> There's this feeling of varying degrees of realism too. Because like, it used to be that like... Like, I- I'm... I'm fine not having real animals in movies because, yeah. you know, Hollywood is notoriously not great when it comes to animals. But, like, it used to be that, like, we would CGI something and we would have a reference on set. Like, if this was made, you know, 20 years ago, they would have, like, built a... Even if they CGI'd Pinocchio, they would have built a wooden puppet first for reference and, like, used it. And I get the impression, and maybe I'm could be completely wrong here um it's more about my impression that like it used to be you'd have reflectors on set and you'd, you'd make sure the lighting's right for the cgi and stuff and it feels like we've gotten so lazy that none of that work is being done anymore so it's like a photorealistic environment and photorealistic actors and then everything else the animals even some of the props just look completely cgi uh and and so it's this weird like half real world that like just makes me feel uncomfortable in general i guess okay uh, i don't know how exactly how to describe that when okay I, i've got to stop because some people i think anytime we use the word lazy people will yell at us because there's been so many stories about what conditions affects artists are oh working yeah under it's not the artists right that are lazy to be it's yeah. lazy in the sense that a mass-produced very very poorly made thing from a sweatshop it's a lazy product on the corporation's end and they spent like the minimal time and effort to get it good like they could have paid these people more they could have given them better equipment they could have done a lot of things Mm -hmm. but where they have cut corners to the degree of where they're testing what the customers won't rebel at so they keep cutting quality to keep, you know, that's capitalism, right? You're raising yeah, profit right. margin. So and maybe lazy is not the word aside from like, 
I don't know what what's a good term for when they've just cut corners and where you are ruining these special effects houses by making incredibly unreasonable demands, making changes up to the last second, not giving yeah. them footage that works. Like the live action stuff you hand to them can't be made to look good because you've not. There's like no communication. It's people working in that industry all say it is a nightmare. Yeah, it used Disney's, to be. Disney's the worst defender yes, of this. Disney, right Marvel, right. yeah, it, yeah. I think it's it's always been, yeah. The, it, it's a form of laziness, but like you said, from like a financial perspective, I guess it's cheapness. Not, it used not to rank be and that file laziness. We're not saying that yeah. people doing the work. It's it's lazy on the part of Disney that they could. Disney has the resources to make anything look like anything. Mm-hmm. This right. is this is if you see something that looks slapdash or whatever, or especially on like the 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 shows, the Marvel shows, it's like the effects look kind of cheap. That was a choice. That's a choice they made. But somebody it, was it suffering used to, be, to, make, to do that. Yeah, they used to it, like to to have a bird do something. It used to be that you'd torture a bird, right? <laughs> And like, and that was that was the cheap lazy solution. Al- Alfred Hitchcock they, would tie birds to ladies, yeah. and and you just like pay the animal rights like uh, uh, supervising people to look the other yeah. way. And my, and that was their in my version. day, they Peter Jackson through... used to just drown horses to make exactly. the Hobbit. You just burn through the animals. Now you do the same thing for the people who are working, who have to render and like design the 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 fucking shoe on pinocchio or like i guess design the bir- cgi bird the it's the same exploitation in the in the in the pursuit of just getting this done cheaply but the difference is that yeah these production co- or these F- special effects companies are now in a the anti-bidding war where they're all bidding to be the cheapest they pick the cheapest one and then they overwork everybody there. So it's it's kind of it's the same deal as like you go to a fast food restaurant and if like some teenager who's overworked and miserable doesn't get your order right, I don't really blame the that teenager, you know? Yeah. It's like no, it's the person overworking them. Like some poor visual effects artist is being told like you have to do this in like 3 days. Uh you have no help. Uh so get on it. And yeah, they're not they're yeah. not going to give it their all. And I someone wanna... out there, like when I talked about why didn't they just build a physical puppet, they <laughs> probably would have liked to shout at their podcast machine. It's because if you ask someone to build a puppet and work on set, you're likely dealing with someone who is in a union. Right. If you're farming out CGI effects to an effects house that may be outside the United States, that is non-union work. And those people, like a lot of times they're working on a contractor basis and they're having to do a bunch of unpaid overtime. You can make them crunch all you want. Big, big difference in in who you're dealing with. And of course, notoriously with Marvel specifically, but with all of these, if you don't have a puppet, you can also change it. What's going on at the last minute? You can say, eh, we're rewriting this scene yep. far into post-production, uh, and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You can just make them do it differently. There's There's been a lot written about that, uh, so you guys should definitely check that stuff out if you haven't already. Yeah. But I, I want to kind of turn the conversation back to what's some, something that is really strange about this movie to me is... You remember like a couple of years back when the, the Beauty and the Beast live action remake came out, it made all the money in the world. And, and Disney was like, OK, this is our plan now. So they cranked out uh, Aladdin. They did the Lion King like right away. Back to back. They greenlit those two. And those two made a bunch of money, especially the Lion King. Um, 
now it's like we've gotten to the point where we're sort of kind of put like this is uh, uh, one of their live action remakes uh, starring Tom Hanks, you know, like Jason said, like one of the finest actors. Uh, 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 it's directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it's just kind of right. it's just kind of getting dumped on Disney Plus in September. And it kind of yeah, and, that's it, pretty and it kind of looks like ass. Like, yeah. like, man, what's what's happening? <laughs> like this, it's that any like this would be like a big release. Like I feel like three years ago, this would have been a big release. Like it, 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 let alone like ten years ago, this would have been like one of their tentpole movies for one of their four quarters, right? And then now it's just this thing that they're just kind of releasing on streaming for you know whatever. It might give them a slight bump in their subscriber numbers. It's it's just a, it's it's strange to me how quickly this sort of changed uh one thing yeah you know? one thing i would like to know and, and i maybe this information is out there is how well does merchandise move on a streaming product versus a theatrical release oh, because so many kids are just glued to screens and i'm sure every parent has disney plus every parent probably does who can afford it probably does so I wonder if they've not found that because merchandise is such a big piece of the pie. I wonder if they they found that merch wise, it actually does as well or better because those kids weren't going to go out to the theater anyway. So maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. But gosh, yeah, there was a time when you would they would have expected this to be their billion dollar worldwide gross. Right. Robert Zemeckis, Tom Hanks, yeah. Pinocchio, Disney movie. Like, yeah, this would have been their big thing. It would probably would have come out in the holidays. Yeah, um, it would have been like the must see movie, and then there would have been, you know, you they would want to do the merch thing like with Frozen, where every kid's got to have the little Pinocchio backpack or whatever. Like they would want to do the full push on it. Um, but that may, maybe they maybe they can sell those backpacks anyway. Maybe yeah. yeah there's got to be some math. I feel like with kids movies more than anything, bringing it on streaming is. Probably, like, I, I feel like there's this situation where if you have kids, it doesn't matter what Disney Plus does. You're always going to have Disney Plus because you can just kids love to just watch a movie over and over again. You know, I think the home video market and, and kids is a there's a big, big relationship there. Right. <laughs> I think more Disney so would agree bringing, with you. <laughs> yeah. More so than bringing your kids to like, I, I wonder if. This is just Disney's history in general, where they're like, people don't really bring their kids to theaters as much as they wait for, the, like, back when it was just VHS tapes. That, like, I, 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 I assume that Disney knows more than anybody. I imagine, and I can't, yeah. like, we'll talk about this more when we get to, like, the sort of summer movie roundup, but, like, I don't know you know, I don't know how kids, how, what it's like to be a kid consuming media these days. Like I remember when I was a kid, the saturate, the market saturation of a big, like a big Disney movie or whatever, like whatever the big summer movies were, was such that like it created an urgency, like you have to go see it. And so I, I imagine like when a movie is just coming on streaming like this, it doesn't have quite the same saturation that like a movie would if they if they were putting it out in the theaters over the summer and spending 200 million dollars on marketing like every kid would know about it right but i don't know i don't know what that's like now so maybe i'm sure this probably makes perfect sense to them but it's odd to it's not odd it's just i'll I'll say jarring to see it it change so quickly in just like a couple of years since that beauty the live action beauty and the beast remake 
the other possibility is that they've just seen an early cut of this. Like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just dump it, dump it to plus. It'll, it's fine. It's but no, this is not. This is not what we. This is not what we were hoping for. <laughs> the original Pinocchio was what an hour long. Like, it's barely. It's like seventy-two yeah. minutes. I think. So if this is two hours, then this has an additional hour <laughs> of them just spinning their wheels, which is nuts to think about. That's, one uh, one extra hour of Lampwick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the next trailer. Sure. Uh, weird. The Al Yankovic story. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the Harry Potter. Yeah, it's uh, Daniel Radcliffe as a uh, jacked Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, and it's, yeah. Jason, you pointed out in the notes, it's like, it's a lot like, feels a lot similar in tone to Walk Hard, where it's like, or like uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, where it's a fictitious biography of Weird Al, yeah. and it's it's like it's which, like him spoofing a biopic. Yeah, he's spoofing right, the genre is, of the musical biopic as well. Yeah, because so perfect. many of the beats where they're they're like exaggerating his angst over writing these silly parody songs, but the beats feel like Walk Hard, which is on one hand that's tough because Walk Hard is a perfect movie, but on the other hand it was a massive bomb and no one has seen it, so. Hey, maybe real shame. uh, (laughs) It's tough because also, like, if anybody deserves to do this parody, it's of course, of course, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, Uh, it's yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I also don't know. Like, our generation, we love Weird Al, but like, is he well known? Like, do the kids? I don't know. Does he? No idea. Yeah, but I, I think. I mean, I don't think I don't this care. is right. Like this, this movie's is, for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm, the, the, I'll be this, very happy to watch it. This movie is for people our age and older. Yeah, like it's. And I'm, yeah. I'm guessing they didn't make it being like we're gonna make so much money. No, like no. <laughs> this, this probably did not they have like a two hundred million dollar budget. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, this movie knows exactly what it is, and it is that thing. Uh, to the point that I don't really have much else to say about it. it yeah, it looks. I'm excited yeah, for it. It looks great. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, no, I would. I would personally would be much more ready to watch an actual documentary about Weird Al Yankovic and his career and how he's done it and how he's managed to like keep doing his thing for I don't know forty straight almost, years. It's almost fifty yeah. years at this point. Almost yeah. fifty years. It, like that's astonishing. That's. Uh, He's able it to really stay is relevant it? and keep working and not get any into any trouble like that's that's uh that's something on its own so i would actually have watched a straight version of this just going yeah. through a day in the life with, with of someone who has maintained like the same roughly the same level of minor fame uh and is hated by nobody as far as i know it, yeah and he has that, like he drops these little tidbits in interviews but he has like a bunch of fascinating stories about him interacting with these super famous musicians. Cause he asks every one of yes. them for permission. Personally, to, not, uh, not their, not their people. He usually talks yeah. to them directly. Even though I don't think he technically has to, because it's a parody. He just, it's a thing he likes to do. At, at least yeah. that's what I understand. I, I think it's a courtesy, but I think it's also <laughs> sort of a gray area. It's I, I think no one, you're not supposed to do this without at least running it by them um but mm-hmm. yeah it, it may be it may be just just be kind of a i don't know you don't want to have beef with these people or whatever but it feels like we had room in this world for one artist to do just constant parodies <laughs> of songs and weird al 
took it. He filled that role, and um, and and the the world was like, great. Yep. You stay right there. <laughs> yeah. There's just and been we no one else. Any, yeah. We don't need another one of you. We will just love you for what you are. Do your thing, Weird Al. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. If you were a kid in 1987 saying, when I grow up, I want to be the next Weird Al. Nope. That's one. There's <laughs> yeah. only one job. It's still going to be, be like, Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. When, when like, weird... Sorry, dear. There's there's already a Weird Al. You <laughs> can't do it. In the futuristic year of 2022, it will still just be Weird Al. And you're waiting <laughs> for him to die. But at this point, you've probably moved on to something else. Right. Uh, long away, pa- uh, long ago, packed away my uh, my accordion and my dreams of super <laughs> parody song superstar. I love, I love the premise of some like twenty something waiting for Weird Al to die so he can take over. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm realizing that in the industry, there's exactly one slot for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like the host of The Price Is Right. It's like if you're dreaming yeah. of being the host of The Price Is Right, you're waiting for someone to to die. You're waiting for someone to yeah. pass away. Uh, it's like like strom thurmond or something like like an entrenched senator (laughs) who just keeps getting (laughs) reelected. yeah and again like it's if he screws up he knows if he screws up once you know there's there's a a line of people waiting to take that role so he's on on his best behavior it's too it's like you have it's we only have one slot and you have to be like perfect at it and he nailed it so yep He's just, we've just been happy to have him keep doing it for four decades. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, the movie looks like fun. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, it's a Roku original, so I'm not clear if I will only be able to watch it on Roku. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Which... if I'll be able to see this. Oh, to, yeah, to be clear to the listeners, whenever we summarize all of the upcoming movies, we do it in total ignorance of whether or not we will ever be allowed to see them. <laughs> On the, on the nine streaming yeah. services we currently have versus it's like, no, this is an Epic's exclusive. And yeah. That, who yeah. knows what that means? No, this is, this is where it, like one, once every six months or so I'll hear about some show that sounds like something I really would have loved to have seen where they're like, Oh yeah. You know, the, the house, the house spinoff that they made. It's like, what? It's like, Oh yeah. It's on, right. uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's on FX too. Like, why FX? It's like, no, it's not an FXX. It's, it's FX2. It's totally unrelated. It's Yeah, not associated with FX. Yeah. It's a curveful original. FX2.com. Yeah. Some weird-ass Dr. Seuss name. Yeah. Um, Download right. the uh, Flurgenbergen app or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, next trailer is for... This just fucking blindsided me. This came out of the shadows and tackled me. Uh, Confess Fletch, the next Fletch the next movie, Fletch movie, yeah, starring John Ham as Fletch. John Ham as Fletch. Remember when Kevin with Smith, Kyle MacLachlan, was trying yeah, was to gonna make a Fletch with Jason Lee? Yeah, right? he was going to make Fletch one for like the entire nineties. He was trying to make this that is, movie. Yeah, this is coming from the writer of the original Fletch, or at least it's. First of all, I didn't know it. Sorry. It's credited with original writer parentheses novel, which was news to me as well. Yeah, I did not realize Fletch. I Fletch have read novel. the Fletch novels. Wow. So here's the thing. This is, this is what's funny about this to me. The way I understand the original Fletch got made is Beverly Hills Cop came out and was a very unique, like Eddie Murphy vehicle from Saturday Night Live 
fresh off Saturday Night Live. In fact, it exploded. And not just in the amount of money it made, but the wisecracking detective mixed with action, like the music, the, the sort of electronic soundtrack, everything about it was felt fresh and original um, and all sorts of other terms that it had a younger, more diverse audience, all of that, because it's Eddie Murphy, right? So they right. quickly, I understand, they quickly turned around and said, we need another one of these. Get me someone else from Saturday Night Live. Get me another script that's some sort of a detective adventure thing. Again, the Fletch soundtrack, it's to, to me, is almost as good as the original, the, the one from uh, Beverly Hills the Cop. Axel Foley theme, Beverly Hills Cop. And so then they grabbed Chevy Chase, and then they grabbed this to find a story for it, this little-known, I, I think, little-known novel series about this investigative reporter. Like, I, it's it's a series, so they did they were successful enough that they get, the guy was allowed to keep writing them. But it wasn't like people anticipating a Lord of the Rings adaptation. It was, it was <laughs> we need to yeah. grab a property we can— slapped together our own Beverly Hills cop that they got out like two summers later after after Beverly Hills cop. So the idea that for decades people are like no we need we need another fletch. It's like well the whole point was kind of to give Chevy Chase something to do that would be his own Beverly Hills cop. If you take him out of the equation, you just have these kind of mildly clever novels. I don't know. It's it's like I I think Again, John Hamm grew up watching Fletch because I did. I've seen it hundreds of times because it was on cable every single day. But right. in terms of is the audience or is this a Fletch hungry audience? <laughs> We're Fletch famished. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know. And this this trailer is it kind of makes it look like a slick sort of like there's no funny there's no moments in the trailer that made me laugh. Uh, it's yeah it's like a it's weird it's like a low simmer it's like the the trailer like i like john ham i like fletch but it's not a movie that i watch a lot um so like the 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 whole tone of this trailer was just like all of the jokes were just kind of like landing like oh that's kind of funny but like not yeah. like not laughing <laughs> like now okay <laughs> I remember it, the original Fletch as being one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I've probably not seen it since I was like 16 years old. Anyone listening out there, if you go and watch Fletch tonight, I do not doubt it is very problematic now. <laughs> Please yeah. understand. I am not. I did not just watch it last night and declare it hilarious. I'm basing it on my innocent memories as a child. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen Fletch, I just realized. And so I guess I'm going to have to watch it. So I can understand what happens in this movie, right? Uh, and uh, I, I just want you guys to know, they are also making Fletch One. Really? The producer of this is credited on IMDb for writing Fletch One, which is upcoming. With, with so John they are Hamm all again? in. I assume. I, they don't have it listed, but they are all in on Fletch. Can you imagine Fletch... if, if this became like a Batman situation where we have like four <laughs> Fletches? Yeah, I running mean, running around, and we can't keep track of which ones in which. I think that's oh yeah for like competing Fletches. Yeah, like oh in... man, it, I I think they're betting on the fact that people might not remember the original Fletch, and this is just going to be its own thing. I don't know. It's rated R apparently. It's weird to me that it has not one but two people from Mad Men because it also has uh, 
John Slattery. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this it's, is basically it's... the Mad Men spinoff we've been waiting for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what Don Draper did. <laughs> this really feels like a dream I would have where you wake up and you're like, I dreamt there was like another Fletch, but it had like John Hamm in it for some reason. Because uh, John Hamm is a funny guy. But, like, I think what you were circling with the original Fletch was, like, it's a vehicle for Chevy Chase, as opposed to needing to be, like, something that we need a lot of that we would then recast. You know, like, people aren't, people don't care about Fletch the story. Uh, and as so in, to get John Hamm, like, who isn't a comedian, he's a funny actor for sure. I bet he can do a good job. It just feels kind of weird, though. Fletch was heavy improvised like heavily improvised with Chevy Chase. That like makes it's sense. clearly like him just back when he, people uh, these days probably don't remember. He used to be brilliant. Yeah. Like Chevy Chase in his youth was a fantastic comic actor, performer, everything. And uh, just, I guess his just repulsive personality <laughs> ran him out of Hollywood very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when he was at his best, uh, like he was, he was incredible. And, and, and Fletch, he's, he's charming and everything else. Again, this is the way I'm remembering it. Um, but it was all, it was clearly him riffing and doing his, doing bits. You don't think of it as like this airtight script. It was all just a series of wacky sketches for Chevy Chase to, to do his thing and chew scenery and, and bounce off of a yeah. series of straight men, people who weren't in on the joke. It strikes me a li- not, not exactly because Fletch didn't take off and become quite the same pop culture touchstone but it it would be like recasting axel foley and beverly hills cop <laughs> like yeah, we're not like, sure they're probably strange. going to do within months like are they not <laughs> shooting another beverly hills cop reboot they are but I eddie murphy's in it are. as far as i know oh yeah all right yeah, yeah <laughs> oh, we got a movie now. interesting choice <laughs> well no this because flesh... this is because axel foley is not an elderly man i'm sorry that's not yeah it's true it's, just it's as strange indiana jones is not an is not an 80 year old man like i'm sorry it, it's it's why you don't have old superman it, it doesn't make it's just not how it works axel foley yeah. is this young smart ass that the entire dynamic was that every you know everyone around him were these old grumpy white detectives who, and he was like this brash young guy, black guy from Detroit. Like that was built into it, that he was the, the racial differences, the background differences, the language and the slang they're using. That's where the humor came from is that he was a fish out of water. Um, and then he had to go to a different city. I don't remember what city it was, but it wasn't his home of Detroit. He had to go to this other place mm-hmm. um, and, and be a cop there. Yeah, be a cop yeah. there, and uh, it was it, uh, it was Beverly Hills, according to IMDb. <laughs> um, I looked it up. <laughs> looked up the filming um, locations, <laughs> <laughs> and and so that was the whole point. But the but him being like a I don't know how old Eddie Murphy is, but he's in his sixties, right? Like he's yeah, he's got to be. Uh, if not, he has to be. Yeah, he has to be. He so was like I don't know if this twenty is, back then. I think if this is ageism or not, but it's like doing a Simpsons where Bart Simpson is in his fifties. It's like, well, no, the, that character is young. That's the point of the character. If you have a Bart Simpson who's 55, that's just sad. Like someone right. who still acts that way at that age. is just, that's just tragic. So, you know, <laughs> Axel Foley, like if he's a retired detective and still making the same jokes and you're trying to play that same dynamic, it just doesn't work anymore. And I don't know, but it's, I guess they'll probably yeah, it's like pair the Dumb and Dumber, Dumb yeah, and Dumber uh, sequel. Perfect. That is a perfect, yeah. perfect example. When yeah, when these guys have like lines in their face and they're clearly 
like nearing retirement age. It's just a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> God. So it, if sorry, because Fletch is like you said, it's it's it was an answer to Beverly Hills Cop, um, which makes me wonder because it wasn't the only movie made in response to Beverly Hills Cop. Um, are we ready for cuffs too? Do you guys think? <laughs> I think so. I think it's time. I think it's time for cuffs. There's another. Too. There's and another think... iconic character who has to be young is cuffs. He can't. Yeah. He can't have old Christian Slater be cuffs. Right. You get so many people would be up in arms yeah. over that <laughs> casting. Oh lord. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. I'm. This is the director, by the way, of Superbad. Oh. In Adventureland. Okay. Yeah. So it's like uh, Greg I bet Mottola, it's, I, I think. Yeah, I bet it's. I bet it's funny. I bet the trailer is kind of hiding the fact that. It is perhaps a funny movie. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm super curious about this. And I will watch uh, it if it's somewhere where I am able to. I do not have Paramount yeah. Plus. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be around. Yeah, it's it's apparently coming to theaters as well. They're going to put it in theaters and on, and on digital. Oh, man. Um. Imagine going to see this in theaters. <laughs> this can't, that, can't, that can't work out for them. I mean, I'm glad... It'll be available in theaters, but I think well, boy, those will be some empty theaters. That's I think we're, 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 we'll talk about that a little bit uh, in in a second because I, I, from what I understand, some uh, exhibitors are like kind of asking studios to just like give us something because they're they're yeah. so hesitant to put any movies and to spend the money to put movies in theaters. All right. So like, yeah, we really, yeah, we we really fucked up our system. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh you guys want to talk about white noise? Oh yeah, I can't wait. What uh what is this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't it's, know uh, from the trailer. It's Noah Bombach's new movie, um, for Netflix. Uh it's got Adam Driver dressed like the landlord from Spider Man <laughs> one shot. Uh, <laughs> it seems like they're like it's being chased by aliens right. or it's something like a, it's and like a fantasy or something i'm not sure it's the synopsis says it dramatizes a contemporary american family's attempts to deal with the mundane conflicts of everyday life so not that okay. so the opposite of that all right while grappling with the universal mysteries of love death and the possibility of happiness in an uncertain world and so yeah okay i i was so baffled by this trailer that I went and looked it up uh, and it's from the novel. It's like this family and a series of like things happening to the family. And also there's like some sort of apocalyptic thing happening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of okay. So there, right. there, there, there was, yeah, something. Uh, there's like some sort of a environmental, I don't want to spoil the movie for people that are going to see it, but th there's, there, we're we're confused. If you guys go watch the trailer for White Noise, you'll understand why we're confused. It's a series of scenes, brief glimpses of like a family life, but then there's a point where they're like evacuating. From yeah, something. it feels like a collision between his previous movie Marriage Story and War of the Worlds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but point. it doesn't. It doesn't like escalate or make it clear because then it kind of goes back to the family stuff again and everything's fine. It's very strange, but but I'm sure that that's the idea. I know he makes unconventional movies or whatever and i'm mm -hmm. i'm too simple-minded for wanting the trailer to just tell me what the movie is about yeah i so mean for I, perspective uh i just looked it up and 
It apparently played at Venice Film Festival, where it got what is described as a tepid 152nd standing ovation. <laughs> I wish I understood this, because it's this is just a, a, a gimmick they do at these festivals, is, is well, give these movies long-standing ovations. Yeah. No, but what they're saying here is that in a festival where they always get long-standing right. ovations, this did not get one. I'm just it got, gonna... Also described as a muted ovation, meaning that like the audience feeling obligated got up and clapped for the bare minimum amount of time. I'm picturing an entire theater full of people standing up simultaneously, clapping exactly once, and then all sitting <laughs> back. Yeah. One just long, one deafening long... clap. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, and I know why they do it. It's because the people who made it are literally in the room. Yeah. You like I I've been to movies here in LA where like in the credits a name will come up and a in a corner of the theater will start clapping and you realize like, yeah. "Oh, they're in the yeah, theater." Yeah, they're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're with their friends. Yeah, so like it, it sounds like I don't know. I, I, I that's all that's all I know about this movie. I haven't read any reviews, but it sounds like the audience were just like, "All right, yeah good job i guess i mean i like i liked noah baumbach's older stuff like uh he co-wrote life aquatic with wes anderson and that's one of my favorite movies um right and he also i think his first movie or like his first hit movie was the squid and the whale and yeah that's a pretty good movie um yeah i have i have i personally have nothing against uh noah baumbach I was, it's just uh, i did think this trailer <laughs> specifically is Hmm. I I, th- I thought Marriage Story was pretty weak. Like the it's it's been memed to death, but like the the big blow up argument scene where Adam Driver punches it's a hole in the funny. wall is so silly uh, and yeah. melodramatic. <laughs> it does not play at all. Any it doesn't play any better. If you've not seen the movie, if you've only seen the meme. It doesn't play any better in the movie. It's no, very, it really doesn't. It's very silly. Yeah, so, you, you sort of expect that movie does have some moments are supposed to be funny but that moment doesn't feel like it is supposed to be funny i can't tell no i can't tell if it was supposed to sort of show like his his hand for example is supposed to be fun that is and that was very funny actually to me um so yeah i mean i don't know maybe i just need to watch it again maybe the whole point of that scene was to show like his impotent rage but um uh so yeah i'll probably watch this just because i generally like his movies even though yeah no fucking clue what this movie's about based on the trailer this one will be on netflix so yes it's uh if you've got netflix everybody it will not cost you anything to see it to to give it a try and Yeah. yeah and and i i cannot go out and complain that there are movies that seem to be based entirely around making an entertaining trailer uh whereas if you have made a movie that is difficult to capture in a trailer that is not a sign of a bad movie just means that it's you've made something that is unconventional yep. we should yeah. be uh, so <laughs> the number of times i've heard the feedback i don't know how to market this <laughs> right yeah, yeah that's right so it's for us to sit here you know please don't don't let don't let me being perplexed by the trailer don't let that dissuade you that's i'm sure some of the best movies ever made probably had bad trailers we, it was just from an era before that's how we consume oh, yeah. things Oh yeah, when uh, sorry, when we do we just watch for old movies, I always go download the trailer and when we're doing a movie from like the 90s, it is the w- single worst trailer no matter what the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. 
Uh, it's what is the uh, late 2000s too. Like it's yeah. You weren't going to see it that unless you were in like the explaining theater. it. Yeah. There's no. There was no YouTube. There was no right. So those were. They just. I don't think they put a ton into it because it's like. Yeah. But anyway. Um, uh, speaking of things that I would I would say were aren't presented very well. Uh, this is a trailer. Next trailer is for Blank. If you look up the poster for it, it it looks terrible just based off the poster. And I would argue this trailer is way better than I expected it to be. What what, what do you, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Um, I I thought this. I'm, I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's great. It's, I'm saying that I didn't expect this movie. It it really felt like a uh, a real knockoff based off the poster. Well, the 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 trailer beats because it's like this this woman who is agreed to basically sequester herself in this huge countryside sprawling manor i guess with a bunch of buildings and stuff uh until she completes a manuscript and she's got this robot butler made there with her but the robot starts going nuts and it becomes clear and she's, wayne brady and wayne brady hologram hologram wayne brady <laughs> uh holographic wayne brady um yeah so she can't leave until she finishes the manuscript and like her robot maid is is becomes very sinister and violent um it looks i mean it looks okay i don't uh i don't know (laughs) i don't know either yeah i I think this movie is a lot of things like the wayne brady of it all it was just like what why is Wayne they, Brady? They really here? slide that in there because <laughs> yeah. they don't li- they yeah, don't linger yeah. on him or anything. They don't they don't really like es- give him that like hey everyone it's Wayne Brady shot. They just kind of slide and him in like, there. They <laughs> like, already have an AI, so why have a second AI played by Wayne Brady? It feels like they got Wayne Brady and they're like we don't have anywhere to put him in the movie. Uh, and then there's like she has this weird thing on her face that they don't explain. Oh, it's like a Bluetooth thingy like monitoring yeah. her. Yeah. And then the novel, it's it looks like misery, a little bit, but yeah. with a robot. robot? Misery. Yeah, from yeah, robot misery. <laughs> I think the woman playing the robot looks like she's doing good, and I think there's a lot of like, I guess what it is is watching this trailer. There's clearly talent behind it, but the premise is very confusing. And I think you're going to continue to see for a couple of years. This is clearly a, a COVID era production because it's one one it's one actor alone. And then everyone else is appearing via hologram. Right. Uh, and I think like I just watched men, mm-hmm. the horror film where it's, it's one person and then all of the men are played by the same guy. It, right. It's clearly a lot of stuff got approved just based purely on logistics. Like this is a script where obviously a crew still has to be there, but it's not, you know, it's not 300 people on a battle scene. It's, it's one, one person trapped. So I think you, you get a lot of these, um trapped in a house thrillers which is what men was basically it's a woman on yeah. vacation and gets trapped in her house by a series of men who all look exactly the same and it keeps getting weirder uh and so that's fine uh you know it's a it's a premise that's difficult to execute well i've seen some great movies that are this plot um yeah it's, um, um what's it called that unless you it have exists. the money basically unless you have the money to put every actor on their own green screen for like i i'd say for the indie market there's just so many like you said these premises where it's like they're in a house <laughs> what what's going on in the house i don't know they're isolated there's not there's not many people there's not many things going on like it really is like yeah we're going to see more and more of these i suspect like um that movie barbarian that i really want to see that's coming out 
soon. <laughs> I suspect that's a little bit of that as well. Yeah. Uh, that that movie Fall seems like it. Um, it's just yeah, like you said, any chance we can get because obviously, like like you said, there's a crew, but when you're filming, you can't put masks on the on them, right? Uh, so you have to find a way around that. Uh, Three thousand years of longing feels a little like that, right? Where it's like, well, they're in a hotel room for a lot of it. Um, I don't know if it was written for that, but it, it there is this vibe of like, it's probably more that they're approving stuff that yeah, or they I, were at a certain point. I will that continue they can film with minimal cast to curse these people for this. The guys on Red Letter Media pointed out in a movie they were watching where if you look at the actor's cheek, you can see the seam where the mask was on because they they stay masked right until they roll the cameras. Yeah. And now once they've pointed that out, look closely at the cheeks of actors in the, in new movies. I swear to God, you will see wow. the scene where the mask oh, was. No. And once, once you <laughs> notice it, that's all I'm going to be able to see. It's, I'm, <laughs> I do not doubt that in a Top Gun, where they're probably already de-aging Tom Cruise's, like they're doing some CGI in his face in every scene anyway, they would paint that out. But in any kind of a mid-range movie, you know, or something like this, no, they're you know, it's just gonna, it's just gonna be there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, any other thoughts for Blank? No, I mean, I, I, I like kind of locked room movies like this like sleuth and like hard candy um uh i just i feel like i get sort of like i feel like it's a little like it's it's a little too obvious for it to be suspenseful for me because like you know with the two that, that i just mentioned hard candy and sleuth the suspense comes from you're not really sure which direction the danger is coming from it's pretty clear in a movie like this yeah, oh, it's the it's, it's the, the murderous robot. robot. Yeah, <laughs> it's the terrifying robot. And like uh, when Jason was talking about men, yeah, men it. has the advantage of being like really weird and trippy, and you're not sure yeah. what's happening. Um, but yeah, on a similar subject, compared to Ex Machina, a film where like same thing that yeah. feels like that could have been a pandemic movie, um, and that that's a film where you're not exactly th- sure where the threat is. Yeah. At any given time, yeah. Oh, there's a twist. Uh, I'm sure there's a twist in this one. We're not there, uh, yeah, probably. Man, yeah, maybe she, she, I don't know. She's the robot. Wayne Brady. <laughs> Wayne, Brady Wayne Brady's the robot. We're all guy. robots. I don't know. We're the We're robots. robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. This next trailer is for My Best Friend's Exorcism. Yep. Uh, this This is a, this is a book. Uh, really? This is a book that people enjoy um no shit yeah no i was actually i before i had any knowledge that this movie was coming out like i was thinking about reading this book and then i saw this movie is is coming out so this is the adaptation of it Uh, this is um the director of the the netflix dracula oh sure (laughs) um (laughs) as i noted it's the producer the producer is the director of freaky and happy death day Uh, uh, christopher landon i think is his name yeah, and I I was I was pretty harsh about it in the notes, but it's to say that I'm I I didn't mind Happy Death Day and Freaky was fine, but I think that it's this weird twilight now with this tone where I don't find it scary or funny necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then realizing that all they're doing is taking a horror premise and an 80s or 90s comedy premise and mushing them where it's like the first time they did it with happy death day it was like oh that's cute it's like groundhog day but a slasher and then freaky it's like oh it's freaky friday but a slasher and but if they keep doing it then it's like all right well no i understand and this doesn't this isn't as much a parody of a specific film except to say that it's definitely the tone of a 90s 80s teen comedy but it's an exorcism yeah and i don't know i now that i'm seeing the the mechanism there i'm i'm kind of over it i would say personally yeah the trailer the trailer just doesn't look very good either like i mean i mean it looks fine in terms of like you know production and the actors they have in it they have the the actress from eighth grade who i guess is just gonna make kind of be horror movies now she was in the texas chainsaw massacre for netflix too she was. woof that was a bad movie <laughs> yeah i think she's she's got a couple of things that i think she's doing in the future that are good oh right she's on barry she's on barry oh okay so yeah uh all right crisis averted i guess <laughs> but yeah. uh no th- yeah none of it's a i would say against the talent of the people involved, for sure including yeah. the writers and directors it's just that that broad premise that studios are clearly like yes give us more yeah i'm personally just it doesn't do anything for me that's this trailer is one of the most grating trailers i've ever seen in my life <laughs> hey, that is not saying anything about the movie the tone of the trailer is, is so much of it is look everybody it's the 80s yep yeah everything yeah, is pastel and neon you remember the 80s the way the 80s exists in the minds of people who were not alive then right if, if you were alive right. in the 80s it was a lot of wood paneling and like yeah, beige right. <laughs> Like yeah. that was the people have been 80s. saying this. People have been saying this a lot, but it's yeah. The eighties were brown. They yeah. weren't colorful. Incredibly they brown. Were brown with yeah. cigarette burns everywhere. That was the eighties. Yeah. But it's. A, it, I swear, the first minute of this trailer wants you to be so impressed by how amazing it is that it takes place in the eighties. And it's like, no, I think we've had a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what else have you got? And it's just. Oh, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, it's not it, again it's, just, it's a thing where they don't they they're not showing jokes in it there's nothing in it that's that funny it's also not suppo- trying to be a horror a horror movie it's 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 a horror comedy and uh, yes there are plenty of horror comedies that are good but most of them if the comedy doesn't work then they probably just don't work because the horror is made to serve the comedy yeah so they're not going to make it genuinely scary either so like a bad horror comedy ends up just being nothing. It's not a horror. It's not a comedy. So if this isn't funny, like most comedies, if it's not funny, then there's, it's just not going to deliver anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I am. I did notice if you notice at the very end, this movie's rated R, uh, yeah. which might be the biggest surprise because the trailer is very, very tame. So I'm thinking, Maybe they're hiding some really wild shit. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, at least the trailer some gore. may be a joke. They may be like misleading us, but they they are. If so, they are overestimating the audience's <laughs> patience for that kind of thing. <laughs> tell yeah. us, tell us what the movie actually is. Uh, but anyway, if it's a joke. It's worked too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of joke premises. It's time. It's I, I. I'm assuming it's time to talk about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Sure, right. We can do this that. This is the celebration of Winnie the Pooh being public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. a slasher movie where Christopher Robin and his friends are killed by Winnie the Pooh, and uh, I assume Winnie and, the Pooh's friends and Piglet, at least. Yeah. How many tens of millions of dollars of free publicity have they gotten just by? yeah doing this like the movie barely needs to exist everyone every site every movie site could not resist that headline like oh they you know they're making a a sacrilegious winnie the pooh slasher yeah because they announced i remember they announced this like the day winnie the pooh went into public domain so it's it really sharknado yeah it really feels like this is just this is just a meme it's just a gimmick it's not really a movie um, the costume yeah, doesn't I don't... look like Winnie the Pooh. No, it just it looks like a guy in a in a rubber Winnie the Pooh mask. So it's like if yeah. I don't if you're gonna do it, like at least do it. You know, like make make them doll sized. You know, or like right. make them actually look like the characters and not just or like ch- some people in animal masks. And make it scary. Like this is from the director of Dinosaur Prison. Rise of Loch Ness, well, I Sky need to, Monster, excuse, Dinosaur Prison. You say, <laughs> yeah. And his next, his that's in post production. Uh, currently filming Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. So this is clearly like, okay, well, I have a thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's uh, yeah, Dinosaur Prison. <laughs> so you want the synopsis? I think I got it from those yeah, two the words. Synopsis, <laughs> Before you get into us now, hold on. Okay. Is it a dinosaur where they ha- is it a prison where they house dinosaurs, or is it a prison that is guarded by dinosaurs? Which the do you synopsis- think it is? Huh? It could be both. Honestly, <laughs> it could yep. be a prison by by dinosaurs for dinosaurs. That's my this guess is- too. Okay, the synopsis is six words, and it makes it very clear: a prison that has caged dinosaurs. That's it. Okay. That's all that's written no, in the synopsis. No, it, it doesn't. Okay. So, yeah, they, they are. This is where dinosaurs are put when they commit crimes. Cool. Well, actually, it just says that has caged dinosaurs. So it could be a prison that, as a bonus, happens to have dinosaurs. No, I'm going to need him to have, like, you know, like a dinosaur in a leather jacket that just knocked off a convenience store. Right. You know. Yeah, that <laughs> is what we want. Velociraptor doing time for possession. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Congratulations for them. I'm sure making their money back on this because I don't think trailers like this actually um, result in people seeing the movie. No, it doesn't. But but, no. but it, people will. I'm sure people will download it when they see it. Some yeah. college kids will download it, and maybe it's a bunch of fun. I don't know. It's just that the the actual humor of the premise doesn't even last for the length of the trailer. Right. It's right. it's yeah, they can't <laughs> it can't even sustain a 2-minute trailer cuz then yeah, it just so. because oh, this is just a low budget slasher movie with killers and animal masks. This is really nothing to do with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yeah. And here's where you would love to look look it up and find out the movie's like 165 minutes long something like that. <laughs> It does not show. I, I cannot find the length, unfortunately. Ah, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. This this is very Sharknado. This is just like yeah. I think it's cheaper than that. There's someone credited in the credits as barn owner, and so I'm guessing most of this movie takes place in a barn in yeah. the woods. Like they clearly they did not spend money on this. No. Like again, they they bought those masks and then they said we have a movie. And again, for what they were doing, they're not wrong. Like they succeeded, right? Uh, they they did the most minimal amount of effort. 
How many and views does everybody's the trailer talking have about on him. YouTube? It's hard to tell, actually, because this is one of those cases where they a lot of places embedded the trailer. Oh, okay. uh, a lot of in our Twitter videos. So like everybody, that's what this really is. It's a series of of like movie sites trying to get the most views for the video, right? Yeah. They're just, they're all hosting this trailer and trying to get the most people to see it. Uh, this copy of it has 320,000 views and it went up yesterday. Yep. So yeah. they'll get millions and millions of impressions on the trailers on the various places it gets housed and half of 1% of those people will maybe seek it out and see yeah. part of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's trailers. Yeah. Uh, we warned you. We warned you that yeah, these it's, trailers. It's, it's a bit of a bit of a, bit of a dry spell. Um. Yeah. I <laughs> wish. I wish. Yeah. I don't know. I wish they. Uh, if we we're gonna make a Winnie the Pooh horror movie, you know. Go for it. Do go it. for it. Do the thing. Spend sixty million dollars on it. <laughs> yeah. Have um fucking what's his name made Antichrist. Lars Van Trier. Lars Van Trier. Have yeah, have him do a fucking like a Winnie the Pooh. Stellan Skarsgård as Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Piglet. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, why not? Oh my god, Willem Dafoe could nail Tigger. Yeah, he could he could be such a good oh god, I want that so bad. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um okay. <laughs> we have some news stories to cover, but first we have some producers to thank. Let's do so, it. Thank you to Davy Francis Nine. Davy goes to hell. Thank you. Thank you to Oh Great, it's that guy. Thank you. Thank you to Chester's Prophet. Thank you so thank much. You to, thank you to definitely not Guillermo del Toro. Thank you to Brian, who Tom knows. I sure do. It's true. Thank you to Bob Grenville. Thank you. Thank you to Steven. Thank you so much. Thank you to Han Toomey, the confused cyborg. All right, let me thank jump you. in here. Thank you to Asking Seven. Thank you. Thank you to Happy Ed 209. Thank you. Thank you to Manischewitz Maltov says economic solidarity is the path to paradise, comrades. Thank you. Thank you to Tiger George Pratt Thompson. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Thank you. Thank you to Dan Hackroyd. Thank you. Thank you to Cody Johnston's time machine noise. Always. Thank you to Pete Vorpagel. Thank you. And thank you to listen to the hit song, Books Are My Aesthetic, theme from If This this Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you don't have a character limit on these names. We sure don't. (laughs) It always puts in a full on several sentence long plug for at least something of mine that I do do appreciate it. It does. Every little bit helps. (laughs) Um. If you don't know what they're talking about, Google the name of the song. It's you'll, you'll find it. All so, right. So we were gonna do the state. Movies. Yeah, movies. You guys know uh, movies. No, we were gonna do sort of like the state of COVID cinema, like a sort of the past couple of uh, years that we've been covering uh, movies during the pandemic. We've every, you know every so often we have Jason on. We do sort of like a roundup of here's what came out, here's what got pushed, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, yeah, for example, it was a running joke that Top Gun Maverick would never come out. Yeah. Because it had been <laughs> right. on the shelf since like... 2019. Since like 20, yeah, 2019, which means they were filming it in 2017, 2018. And, and like some of the actors had, you know, people were like, wow, they, they did a great job digitally de-aging the actors for this movie. It's like, no, they're just older now. Yeah, they, they three years this, ago. <laughs> they filmed this when everyone was noticeably younger. It's 
Um, and so there was in like Indiana Jones five is coming out this later this year. That's one where we, we kept mocking because it's like, is Harrison Ford still going to be alive? Right. He, I believe, I believe they stopped filming. They're done filming. Yeah. They're finished. They've completed it. It doesn't matter how many planes he crashes from here on. (laughs) We are about to be treated to 90 year old Indiana Jones. I realize Sorry. this is incredibly tasteless to say. It would be very weird to have to do a posthumous publicity tour where you're doing oh, yeah. it in memory of Harrison Ford. <laughs> uh, I, I hope he lives many more years, but at the same time, he's not a young man. How old is he? 90. 78? I thought. 90. Oh, wait. No, maybe he's 80. I thought he was 90. I don't know, man. He's very old. He's old as hell. Um, <laughs> he's old as fucking so, time. Okay, he's 80. I'm sorry, Harrison. I put 10 more years on the guy. He's 80. Uh, it's a rough it's a rough 80 years too. It's been he's been active that whole time. Yeah, it's so, not the years, yeah, it's the mileage. The whole issue right. was is that there was this massive reshuffling because in 2020 they pushed everything out of summer because they closed down the theaters. So everything and then they scattered everything to the wind. Some stuff got pushed to 2021, but when 2021 arrived and it's like, "Oh, it's still a pandemic. Some stuff they went ahead and put up, some they dumped to streaming, some projects got canceled, and some got turned into Disney shows, and then others are still out there and going to show up. So we, once again, will sit down and try to figure out where everything went, but the first thing I did was look at the box office so far this year, and it has been rough. You have got a few movies at the very, very top that made stupid money, but you look at the list of the expensive flops, like the Northman made nothing. The King's man made nothing. Ambulance, Moonfall, West Side Story, The Matrix. All of those were big, big, big budget projects that made a microscopic amount of money at the theaters in a time when people technically could have gone to the theater. They were open, Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot more to drag people out of the house now and what you're seeing is the trend that had been going on for the last 20-some years where only the big franchises have a chance. Right now, audiences will only get out for a big franchise. Like, there was yeah, a time if... when stuff could still have a chance of doing of being a hit, like, you know, like Avatar or something like that. You know, that was a unique IP. Boy, it is rough right now. Yeah, it's... It's not even that. Even the big franchises are still like number nine on this list. Domestic box office uncharted made domestically 148. And obviously like it made more, it made like 400 internationally, but we can go into how like, you know, they don't, they don't get a return on that. The international money nearly as much as the domestic, etc. cetera. Uh, that's all to say the budget was 120 million. So like, Oof. Yeah, and, like, even, and that's basically. number nine. That's in the top ten of this year. That's yeah. That's I wild. think it's what I was saying earlier about um, you know when I was a kid, and this is twenty years ago, uh, more than at this point. Um, there was a sen- there you there was a sense of like urgency, like oh, you have to go out and see this movie because it's only in theaters, and if you don't catch it in theaters, it's going to be you know like six months or at least before it comes out on video. So you got to right. go out and see this movie. But the release windows have narrowed. The way we've watch movies uh, has changed quite a bit with you know streaming. Uh, so it's just 
there isn't that like jason said there's like i think it's like 20 percent of people just don't go to the movie theater it's just not yeah a, a thing that we do anymore and it's kind of like it's just yeah i think that's that's a huge part of it it's like there's no like jurassic world dominion uh, on this list is number three for domestic box office 2022 they yeah. that movie was on digital within three to four weeks of it being in the theater. So it's, so there's no reason to run out and see something in the theater when you know it's just going to be on, you know, Disney Plus or Paramount or whatever, you know, by the end of the month, you know? Yeah. When did Nope come out? July. We just covered Nope. Yeah, you can rent it. Yep. You can rent it now. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of wild how that is, how not special it feels and like I, we talked about this uh tom you weren't here but uh, like last hypecast about like that that matt damon clip right where on hot ones he just yeah. very casually explained the destruction of the, yep. <laughs> the industry and that's really what it is is that like a lack of physical media um like it really does feel like it's it, it makes me feel old to say this uh but for the film industry like the internet isn't great. Like the internet's great for a lot of things. Uh, don't get me wrong, but for entertainment, the in- the internet has generally made entertainment harder to yeah. actually produce. Yes. And perhaps my my proposal is we switch back to dial up. Mm-hmm. But Adam Adam, who was the guest, did not seem to to. No, I think that. you're right. But I think like, you're right. Yeah. Because that's what it, it comes down to is like we need physical media again. We honestly we need. We need to appreciate DVDs or I guess Blu-rays. <laughs> um, we we need to, and like, and I when I say need, I mean in the sense of like for film, for film to have a future. Yeah. Because out of this top, in the top ten, uh, only the last one is an original film, uh, and that's going to be getting worse and worse every year as well. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's bleak. Well, you guys uh, and part about of that's the pandemic, of course. What's that? 3,000 Years of Longing was a movie you had mentioned that you guys had seen mm-hmm. and liked, but that is, is a total bomb, right? Like like a bomb yeah. as in it's expensive yeah. and made nothing. And that was, there's a story behind that. At least part of that has to do with something else that I mentioned earlier in the episode, which is uh, exhibitors, like the, that is the different movie theater chains, are kind of almost desperate for things to show because nobody's going to the movies right now one and two studios aren't putting that many movies in theaters right now because it's you know after three years of a pandemic uh they took quite a beating nobody wants to money's tight right now in 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 hollywood um so you're getting movies like uh three thousand years of longing which is a 60 million dollar movie it's it's expensive but it's still like a mid-budget movie uh it was originally only going to have like a limited release and instead they put it out a wide release with very little marketing uh, from what I understand in part because it was MGM trying to make good with uh, exhibitors being like, okay, well you guys can show this movie. Here's a movie you can show. Uh, but it's like this really niche kind of artistic movie that, you know, widespread audiences aren't going to come out of the house to go buy a ticket to go see, you know, uh, and there was another movie we talked about earlier, where I think also that I think also fit that same bill, but now I can't remember what it was. So uh, never mind. <laughs> um, well, but 
like in my local theaters, they were showing foreign films and because you know, cineplexes with a bunch of screens to fill and mm-hmm. and they were there was all sorts of they were you know like reshowing the original Jurassic Park and stuff like that. The movie that we talked about, RRR, the Bollywood movie, it made something like twelve million dollars in American theaters, which is more than some American movies made. But that's a, yep. a rare case. It, like that's the all time record for a Bollywood film by far. Americans don't watch those movies. They just don't. But it's like, well, no, here's something that and they kind of made a little event out of it. And um, but that was for, for this exact same reason. Like the theater chains were just we need something. We need. Yeah. Something. And I think this right. I think this weekend they're showing Jaws and IMAX. It's being re-released like it's yeah they're just anything you know like they they re- they're re-releasing the latest spider-man movie with like additional footage um i think yeah there's a new there's a new like that's wild is i was looking because we were trying to figure out what we watched this weekend for we just watched it was like oh spider-man's playing again like that's yeah it's wild it feels so desperate Feels dystopian to a degree. So yeah. <laughs> what I had wanted to come on this episode to talk about was when do things start to look more normal? Because clearly, in addition to the box office, just the volume of stuff being released theatrically was noticeably lower. Like yeah. it just was. It, you, you didn't have – usually you've got this traffic jam where you've got two or three blockbusters all opening close to you know the 4th of July or like something a, like a that. A week you, almost uh, in, in previous years you'd have two, between two and four like big releases or at least decently sized releases from major studios like a week during the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I looked up what's on tap for next summer, summer 2023. Now, now for this – holiday season you you have things we've talked about before like you've got avatar think, yeah <laughs> avatar yeah basically at avatar that's it this is pretty that, much it yeah be, <laughs> right um but next year so next summer indiana jones 5 and again i'm it would be extremely crass to say harrison ford just has to live another year i i realize this is a human being with a family I, but but at the same time, someone at the studio has had that conversation. Like, what does the marketing look like? Should should Harrison crash his plane? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I have no concept of what state the Marvel Universe is in. I don't have Disney+. Plus. I don't see any of those. I have not seen WandaVision. I've not seen any of those shows. She-Hulk. I don't know how they're integrating that stuff with the mainstream movies that continue to come out. Um, so I have no idea what Gardens Galaxy 3 would be about for anything. Yeah, I don't think Marvel is completely sure. I mean, we talked about this with others where like currently their films don't feel like they have a direction yet. Yeah. And they keep saying like, well, we'll have one soon. There's it's all, all will be revealed, but they keep not, but I, I'm sure that'll make a billion dollars, right? I yeah, that'll be, so. that'll be in the top three. Like, next well, year. this is what we're talking about, because is next summer when people will finally feel like, you know what? No, we're going back out and yeah, and, and it's going to we're going to, you know, um, but no, it, it Marvel went at Comic-Con. They had the big things like, OK, here's phase five. And then here's the the projects we've got lined up for phase six. And I don't have any idea what the phases mean. Yeah, right. It's, it's completely meaningless. They overlap <laughs> in a way. There's not like a single story arc that defines each phase anymore that I know of. But anyways, um, Fast and Furious 10 will not have The Rock in it, uh, right? Nope. 
They no, they, no. They, they, they got uh, Jason Momoa is going to be in it, though. Yeah, I'm sure a... that'll also do a billion, right? Probably. Um, the that's that's the biggest like non Disney franchise that exists. Although it technically may be Disney now. I don't know what studio yeah. that was under. Uh, uh, it's Disney Universal, owns. I think. So. Uh, the Little Mermaid live action movie everyone's been waiting on. Everyone who saw that the delightful <laughs> art that's drawn animation uh, thought, if I if only I could see like a series of like I want that crab, but I want like a real crab playing, <laughs> right. playing with the a crab face or, that can't make expressions. The <laughs> uh, 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 Spider Man Into the Spider Verse two, it's across the Spider Verse. That what it's called. I, I th- some variation of that i think that's yeah. what it's um, called yeah a lot of people looking forward to that one transformers rise of the beast i get the sense this is one that's been on the shelf right i feel like i remember hearing yeah. this was coming out like four years ago and that they've probably been sitting on it but this is not michael bay right like he's never yeah. coming back to the transformers it might uh, i'll double track i do have a theory on that my prediction is that that's going to do very good um and this is based off of the fact that, like, when I first heard of that coming out, I, my, like most of you, I thought, why? Why would they do that? <laughs> right? Uh, and it is a continuation of that series, I believe, right? Yeah, but I think it's uh, like, it's like Beast Wars. So, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I think it could end up being like, it, it could end up blowing up like the previous ones did because well, this is like nostalgic for a newer generation of kids that's what i was about to say the way the original transformers was nostalgic for us as kids the shia labeouf transformers movies are now so old that they're nostalgic for people in their 20s well and so is is, people who grew up watching beast wars because that was like late 90s early 2000s that's true so yeah i think this is gonna actually do really really well maybe um (laughs) uh i hope i mean it could be good it's the director of uh creed 2 sure uh <laughs> that helps yeah i don't know that's all to say that like uh, yeah i don't I, I don't know it's it's i think that one's gonna surprise people the flash movie is still mm. on now is that guy still on a crime rampage he has been Ezra he has been lassoed Miller? or they have been lassoed yes. by um the uh the studio it sounds like as yeah. Miller, they have been on a like an apology tour it seems like kind of, yeah they they lately. they said that Ezra Miller was brought in and that they're having like m- meetings with with Warner Brothers executives to like plan a yeah like a image rehabilitation for them but yes a- a- as of like a month ago they were still on a fucking crime spree <laughs> yeah and it seems like i it's it's that thing it's okay they'll cancel batgirl but the flash not only are they gonna keep it around but they're gonna do everything they can to make people i think they've want to see it they've spent they've spent too much money yeah they clearly spent too much money on it yeah that's the thing they spent so much money they got michael keaton for it but michael keaton was in batgirl too so i don't know exactly i i it, it really seems like if if they were sitting there and they're like okay we gotta get rid of one of these uh, we got Michael Keaton in both. What do we do? Maybe the Flash like establishes the Michael Keaton stuff. I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't seem. It seems like Warner Brothers is having some problems lately. Oh yeah, so, that's yeah, know. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible Seven. They're already filming. They probably finished filming eight. 
But yeah. this is yeah. one where they set it on the shelf for the pandemic because Tom Cruise is maybe the smartest businessman in the whole industry. Yeah. Um, he's got a good producer brain, yeah. Scientology yeah, powers, yeah. Yeah, no, his Scientology very, powers. <laughs> he's very calculating. Like, he knows exactly. Like, his instincts about saving Top Gun for the theaters, dead on. Absolutely yeah. dead on. He just knew... Um, so yeah, I, I don't doubt this will be good. These are always pretty good. I don't I don't find them to be very memorable movies, but yeah, I like bad. There's not I a don't, single bad Mission Impossible that I, I don't really remember. rewatch them. But yeah, I always like I'm excited to go see them and I watch them like this is great, and then I just go home and never think about it again. Yeah, but they're oh, good right. at least one spot the... where it looks like Tom Cruise is going to die. Not, yeah. not again, not the character Ethan Hunt, but the actor Tom the actor Cruise yes. Tom is going Cruise. to die. I would argue that they're very similar to me as the Fast and Furious movies, which is that when they're really good, like the Fast and Furious, I would say, has been getting lazier with the stunts lately, but they're they're like going on a ride and then you forget them yeah. afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And you have fun. They're, they're fun. They're fun. It'll make, they're good. That'll be another one that'll make a, a billion dollars, I'm sure. Um, the Barbie movie that we all saw, the nightmarish screenshots, that movie <laughs> yeah. looks like it will give me a headache. The movie that I am the most excited to see is Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yes. Um, the Chris Nolan movie with um, everyone Murphy as oh. Oppenheimer and, and a bunch of other famous people. Yeah. This is uh, his, the, his old the creation of the, atomic, too, yeah. of the atomic bomb. I'm sure that the sequence where the bomb goes off will be probably he will probably detonate an actual atomic bomb somewhere yeah <laughs> I, I, I film it with an eye he, he will break an imax camera detonating yeah. and filming an actual nuclear detonation that's what if happen. anything i guarantee he at least asked right <laughs> he at least asked he definitely asked yeah uh i'm i god i hope they did something for that i don't know uh um but that's also a case where the actual true story of oppenheimer his life and the Manhattan Project, the real story is nuts. And I don't just mean the broad strokes, like they were making a doomsday weapon. The personalities involved, the way they were thinking, the things they said, the whole thing was nuts. This was Maybe briefly... the most oh, nuts was... thing humans have ever done. There was a... Wasn't there, wasn't there briefly a TV show that was about the Manhattan Project? I think it was called Manhattan, wasn't not... it? I did not watch it, but yes, there was. It's another case where it was on and some is like on WGN. Yeah, it was on some weird, some weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it seems um, like a, a subject that it's weird that we don't, that there isn't like a definitive movie about it, really. Yeah. Yet. I, I, this is a hundred million dollar movie. I looked it up. I think that's exactly the limit, right? Because I'm excited for Oppenheimer, right? And it's going to be us and all of the dads seeing it right oh, yeah. it's, this it's, is this that's is, the movie where this is, it, this is history it. channel dad catnip yeah yeah <laughs> and and so you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna see the kids out seeing oppenheimer uh but it, it looks this it'll is the, get, it'll get oscar nominations it's that kind yeah. of yeah i think this is the type of film nolan should do more often right like it's probably i'm guessing we're not gonna have a reveal where the, it's like oppenheimer had a twin you know like it, it's probably not, be, not. Uh, yeah it's a straightforward film and nolan is very good at those so i'm excited for it and then the, the list has another teenage mutant ninja turtles movie is i think that's another? the i think that's a seth rogan evan goldberg one i think ah. i this is the first time hearing of it yep 
Um, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, that is the one that is being written and produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Huh. I don't know. I can't tell you anything else about it. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, they, they're going to just keep making these, right? Like, yeah, it's... why not? People like turtles. They, they, re, they reinvent exactly. them like every five years or so, and it's always fine. So like, whatever. Yep. I mean, not always fine. That first Michael Bay one was pretty rough. <laughs> that was pretty rough. But like, you know, there's nothing there. It's it's hopefully this won't be do you, like is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Do you think in like 50 years from now, they'll be like Pinocchio, right? Where it's like a Robin Hood. Like, it's just that like, oh, I'm so sick of these teens because it'll be it'll be old enough to be seen that way. And like there is probably a point of oversaturation, but right now the pacing of these Ninja Turtles movies, it's like they they wait like you know, ten five years every time, and they're like, here's another, here's another. Do you like mm-hmm. it? Okay, it's fine. If you don't like it, it's fine. We'll make, we'll wait, we'll make make another. And they, I think their pacing, it's just it's they're doing good. Yeah, and they've done three new series too over the past twenty years. So yeah, it's just a, yeah. it's just a, a property that they keep successfully rebooting. Can- yeah, you can just keep rebooting it for a new generation. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to extend the story in any way. They're just keep, they're like, like yeah, an, they're going to fight Shredder. It feels like an extremely limited premise, but time <laughs> right? has proven me wrong. It has, there are so many iterations and comic books and, and cartoons and everything else. Uh, there apparently is endless life to be squeezed from this prank idea some guys came up with as a joke. <laughs> yep. Well, well, extremely high. Yep. Yeah, extremely high. made them very wealthy. Yep. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I know we had talked about on previous, uh, gosh, years now of, of us doing these roundups, where it's going to take years for like everything to equalize, right? And it probably won't equalize back to what it was before the pandemic but like shifting your release slate for one year is gonna you know by necessity shift the following year and then the following year and then the following year so it's like we're gonna be it's movies are still gonna be janky as shit i think for another three years yeah and like it's just that that stark difference between like what will make money in theaters that that gap is getting bigger and bigger and it will continue to with streaming. They're supply constrained in the same way that so many, that cars are still supply constrained. Because there's a but, whole process. You don't just snap your fingers and make a movie. So like during the pandemic, they weren't approving and greenlighting anything because mm-hmm. they didn't know when stuff was going to return to normal. And they couldn't get the insurance companies to insure the shoot. So there right. was this gap between, well, during that time, you know, the effects houses had to take on different work to keep people employed or they shut down. People left the industry, people passed away, you know, and so you can't just rev the engine of production up. Right. Like you you just, you just pull a lever and it's like, okay, we're making movies again. Like there's people who aren't available anymore. There's companies that no longer exist. The models have changed. The money has changed. The financing has changed. You know, the players or studios that are no longer around. And so to kind of get things back, like it's almost a miracle that we have the movies that we do. Yeah, um, but like the talent has left, you know, a lot of people's gone to work for streaming studios, things like that. You know, the people you used to, the writers used to rely on all, all the, the behind the scenes stuff, the technical stuff, people have moved on. Same with, 
you know, in any other industry, restaurants and anything else, they're all struggling with the the same thing. And like you said, it will take a long time to equalize. It's yeah. nobody's fault. It's just there's and a lot of just, moving parts. Yeah. And just the sheer fact, like if a movie, you know, takes 18 months to two years to produce, you know, like to. Yeah. So it's even once it gets going. Yeah. Once it. Yeah. That's like once stuff, it gets going. Yeah. Kick it around really is for like, decades. Yeah. It really is like everything, uh-huh. Like like with the PlayStation Five, where it's like, yeah, there's going to be this this gap, where it's like, where it's not available, you know. Everything has to get started again, and then we have to start making the thing, and so that assembly line is just going to have a noticeable gap that there's nothing they can do about, and I, yeah. that is hopefully what we're witnessing right now. Yeah, I feel bad for people just who were just getting into the industry. I guess yeah. all industries, but for film, this is a great example of like anybody who was just getting out of film school or was trying, who had moved to LA Jeez. to become an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like your ability to kind of get your foot in the door on these projects, like it's just, it's not that you lost a year of pandemic. It's that you lost like five years because yeah. it's once stuff comes back, it doesn't come back in the same way. Um, the job you're hoping to get doesn't exist anymore. Like it's just, uh, there's a lot of invisible chaos where we're not, people don't appreciate because you're not on the ground. You just see the result and the result is like, oh, there's not as many movies there was last year. Why not? It's like, yeah. well, there's a whole lot of human suffering. <laughs> behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it just accelerated. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's. Mm. It, it pro- yeah, it probably <laughs> like this is kind of what we were it, predicting it, was going to happen because of streaming. Uh, but it, it really like stepped on the gas and it yeah, condensed. Yeah, it's already what streaming already did. Yeah. Or started. It, it would have take what would have taken the next eight years it happened in yeah. two. So looking at looking at a movie like Men, which isn't the best movie in the world. In fact, I think a lot of people didn't like Men. Um, but like that's a very weird indie film. I, I looked it up. It made $10 million worldwide. That's it. Which is probably its budget. Maybe a little more than its budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that movie has like CGI in it. It has stuff that's probably they, was expensive. They, brought, they bought ad space on television to advertise yeah. it. Like its promotion budget was much bigger yeah. than its production budget. Like that's where and, you get you get hurt. Right. And then that's going to go to streaming. And it's just going to go on something where you probably have... You either get to rent it for three bucks... Or more likely, it'll be you know, on on like uh, I I believe it's a twenty four, so they have a deal with Showtime, I believe. Uh, so it's just gonna go on there and live on there, and that's the type of movie where it's like, it's just content. Then it's Alex Garland, the director, is not gonna see that movie, or they're not gonna see his work as a success because it's the kind of movie that might get a cult following, but even if it does. People will just be able to watch it on Showtime. It's harder to you know? watch. It's harder to Nobody, watch it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one will buy a Blu-ray. There'll there'll be no behind the scenes. There'll be no like, ooh, we got to do a steel book of this because it got a big resurgence in the home market. That's just not available anymore. So a movie like that, that even could, even if that movie suddenly like explodes in popularity after the fact, they're never going to see a financial return on that. If you uh, go to the toy aisle, like the merchandise for this movie, you just see it in the bargain bin. Yeah, exactly. All the men, like all the action, yeah, you know, all the action <laughs> yeah. figures of the various. Where you press like, the the head and the it comes out. He gives, you know the same. He gives birth to himself over and over <laughs> again. 
But there was an article a few days ago or a few weeks ago, I don't know, time is a blur, where like Sidney Sweeney was talking about how residual checks have shrunk, have vanished. That once upon a time, if you were on a successful sitcom for a few years, you were set for life Mm -hmm. because those residuals from syndication would just roll in and roll in. And then you could pick your projects. So if you're Jennifer Aniston, you could just do a movie every few years, do what you want. And she's like somebody like me who's on a successful show in the streaming era. Like, I don't make enough to afford my home in L.A. (laughs) Like, I live in a nice house, but I have to work, 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 work. So she's like, I can't take I can't get pregnant and take two years off to like, to be frank. It's not just having the baby, but this is Hollywood. You have to then look like your pre-pregnant self before they will allow you to be in movies again. You can't come back heavier, if you know what I'm saying, than you were before. That's naturally happens. Um, and it's like I can't take two years off to then come back and be movie star. Like I don't, I financially can't do that. And there were a lot of people yelling at her. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it sounds like you have such a tough life. And it's like, no, she's she's making a point. The way stuff used to get made is you could make your mainstream thing and take the money from that and then be in something small. Whereas yeah. now, unless you're Daniel Radcliffe, where you've got your Harry Potter money, you can coast on your whole life and then just make weird stuff. You don't have the freedom to do that. You, you're, right. it's, you know, you're, these residual checks will not pay the bills for you, your family, all the staff, the pub, the public, all the people you have to pay, your agent. So it's like, no, you have to, it's like work, work, work. And you have to take stuff that you don't, you have to keep busy, but that means you don't get to pick your projects. It means the stuff is not going to be as good. That's right. kind of the, the nature of it because you don't get to say no to things. You're not in a position to. It, it's it, the Harry Potter kids versus the Stranger Things kids, right? <laughs> Where like those kids, they're not going to be set. Nope. Like they're in the most no, popular exactly. goddamn show. They're not set for life. They, they're going to have to work. They're not fucking Frankie Munez after this. They're they're yeah that's um Um, if if people listening if you've been following the hbo max drama where they're just taking tons of mostly animated shows but plenty of other things as well just taking completely off hbo max off of youtube uh so it's effectively not available anywhere the reason they're doing that is so they don't have to pay those people residuals yeah uh so exactly so now we're in a situation where it's like yeah you if you want to watch what's it called infinity train um yes can't watch it it doesn't exist yeah, anywhere. Gotta pirate it. Yeah, gotta again, pirate it. So again, yeah, it's not that they canceled it; it's that they canceled it and then deleted it from their library. <laughs> yep, it's yep. the old episodes aren't on there anymore. That's the thing; stuff gets canceled all the time, but it lives on, so you can go, so you can. You yeah, know, you it can continues watch it to exist. <laughs> yeah, um, and the people, the writers, the producers, those people depend on those residual checks, which are not huge, but it gets them by. Because if you're doing that job, you you go from project to project. You don't have a monthly or a biweekly paycheck. You you're hopping, you're waiting. You may go a year between projects because you can put your heart and soul into something and then just the, make a pilot that just doesn't get picked up. Like you can squander a year of your life doing that. But anyway, that's just one example of, of how the the finances have changed forever. The the yeah. money is just different. The money is much much less. Unless. We switch back to dial-up. Let's do it. Dial-up internet. <laughs> dial-up and yep. VHS. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because these streaming services, they are not just competing with each other. They're competing with TikTok and Twitch and YouTube. 
Yep. Right. Where you have a guy in his bedroom playing video games, racking up 20 billion hours of viewing, <laughs> viewing every year. That was all taken from something else. That was all taken from Netflix, HBO Max, like that's, you know, Disney Plus. Disney Plus, their, their nemesis is probably not Netflix. It's probably Twitch. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. A lot of things have changed here. I don't know if it's for the better or for worse, because you could... You could also argue like, well, this is just how entertainment changes, right? Yeah. And the dinosaurs will die off. But it just feels like with film, it's like that's such a specific art form that like, I'm sure it'll all equalize eventually. But it's like, you know, when we like, like, I'm sure people said that when I, when television was existed, but it really feels like it's, it's different. It really feels different. You know, it feels like we're eliminating an art form in exchange for another now. Like, there's not enough room. And that really bothers me. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not blaming the audience. I'm not blaming the consumer. But the expectation for this thing cost $150 million to make. And I should be able to see it for almost nothing with no ads. That's just not. It's like, well, yeah, but when I watch this, my favorite Twitch streamer, I don't have to pay for that. But it's like. It to- two totally different things there. It, like the value, the perceived value of the stuff that appears on your glowing screen has like dropped to zero. Yeah. So it's right. hard to to pour the money into making something that's finely crafted when people just don't value it as it's like, well, I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to go to the theater and see this thing. It's like, well, people used to pay that much to go see romantic comedies. That was a thing for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. People threw down that much money to go watch. You've got mail. Yes, yeah, um, I loved it. And it was excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll touch base uh, this time next year <laughs> and do another roundup. Yeah, we'll see, see, what, we'll what, see what, the, it's like. what the state of the industry is. Yeah, we'll be talking, then we'll be talking about the amazing Transformers movie that, that blew away the world and, and changed Hollywood. Yeah, God willing. Yeah. Um, should we keep naming producers? Uh, yeah. All right. Big thank you. To Del Griffith, the shower curtain fella. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you to the Midnight Patron. What patrons at midnight? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Exploding Runes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Andrew, the proud Satanist How. Hail Satan. Thank you to Vincent. Thank, thank you. you, Vincent. Thank you to Rev MD. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you to Bootler Bootleson. Thank you. Thank you to Tux. Tux. Thank you to Ricky Cilantro. Thank you. Thank you to Norm from Cheers. Norm. Thank you to Space McNulty. Mm, thank you. Up among the stars where he belongs. Um, let mm-hmm. me take over here. Uh, thanks to your mom. Thanks. Uh, thank you to Nolan Tooby's Dark Harold Mayton. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Deserves more hype, McGuire. No, you got you did it wrong. Oh, I was supposed to say that parenthetical. Okay, let me try this again. Andrew, guest name deserves more hype, no, McGuire. Guess name what's the guest name oh oh jason i see andrew jason deserves more hype mcguire what i look it's it's his decision all right thank you to aj (laughs) i'm not gonna think about when you read his name he wants you to compliment the guest that's all i see i got it i got it listen it's been a long day (laughs) yeah this Uh, completely thwarted me Right before we recorded, Tom pointed out he had a ton of stuff to do, and we really needed to get through this quickly. And we're yeah. an hour and forty-seven <laughs> minutes into this. 
Um, where is I? Okay, they get a tip drizzle. Thank you. They get a burrito mouth. Thank you. They get the ghost of Dave Thomas. Thank you. They get Aaron Burser. Thank you. Thank you to Christopher Robert Sparts Esquire. Thank you. Thank you to Mackenzie Fuck Shuffling with Willem Dafoe's Confusingly Large Dick Chill. Woo. Thank you to Funky J. Thanks. And thank you to Pie Guy. Pie Guy, thank you. Now, Dave. Thank you, Pie Guy. Dave, mm-hmm. sh- shut shut your mouth. Shut your mouth for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, in this uh, ever-shifting landscape uh, uh, of cinema um, mm-hmm. that we now find ourselves in, do you perhaps have a movie that could use a little bit more hype? Oh, let's can say I open my mouth. Let's say it deserves more hype. Yeah, no, you can open your mouth now. Okay, okay, I do. Oh, I do. What luck? Yeah, this isn't. Uh, this this is going to be on Prime Video. It it is, it is. Uh, it's Prime Video with Blumhouse, so it's not exactly like, you know, like it, it's it's. It's uh it also uh took the grand jury prize at Sundance. Uh so it's again on paper it's not like a w- unknown uh uh movie. But last time I checked the trailer, let me check it again. There was really not oh, Okay, the trailer okay. Now now it's getting some views. So uh, I guess it got the hype it deserves. Episode over. All right, no, Mr. this is <laughs> Nanny. Yeah. This is called it. Nanny. It's a it's a horror movie about a um, a lady who who immigrates immig- immigrated to where is she going New York City, um, and she left behind a son and she's trying to make enough money to get her son back, and uh, throughout that she's I think she's working she's working for a rich couple, um, and uh, she's caring she's caring for their daughter right she's a nanny that's yeah. that's why it's called <laughs> it's nanny. the title uh, I was like what is her job. And it, it it's hard to tell from the trailer, but she becomes haunted by something, uh, and that and that is pretty much what we know about it. Uh, it's uh, it, it is described by the director as an existential but sexy fever dream. So I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> uh, it it, uh, it it's just one of my favorite premises now for a horror, um, and it's also it won. Sorry, it's the first horror movie to win the U.S. Grand Jury Prize at Sundance for drama. So that's key. Uh, it is also a drama. It, it gave me vibes of Hez House, specifically because Hez House is about a refugee who's put in a situation that they can't really escape. And I realize that's like a really, really good horror situation because it's about, you know, it's about people who are trapped in a situation that they, they can't get out of already. And then you put fucking ghosts on top of that. And then the Boogans show up. Yeah. So that's Nanny. Not the Nanny. That's a different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. No, this looks this looks interesting. Um, And yeah, I definitely got similar vibes uh, of his house. Um, You know, uh, because there's this whole subplot about the child that they had to leave uh, back home. And that which, you know, is tied into the the drama and suspense so yeah for sure i definitely got that read as well yeah and it doesn't look the same but it's no, just dealing with very similar yeah, themes that's that's really the only thing it, it has in common with it um this one seems a little more i don't know um like a, a, a like little a more high quality well-made horror movie it yeah it's like a smart well-performed well it, and it, it's claiming the trailer to claims it's getting theatrical release do these prime movies do they actually push them into 
sometimes substantial theaters or is it just a yeah i mean in this case i assume that's why they're teamed up with blumhouse right okay because I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But yeah, I'm sure it, it's going to get some sort of release, right? Yeah. And then it'll probably go to streaming a day later, if not the day of. So. Yeah, like they did it with, uh, they used to do this for awards eligibility, but like the the Lucille Ball movie they did last year was in theaters, I think, for like a week or two before it hit yeah. Prime. So I looked it up, and, and this is actually important. It comes out November 23rd, limited theaters, okay. and then it'll be out on streaming December 16th. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that is, uh, that's that's its deal. Um, and yeah, it's also, it's getting very good reviews. It has 39 reviews right now on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's at a 90%. So people seem to be really liking it. Um, it won a bunch of awards, so yeah probably won those awards for a reason yeah no, it looks it's, uh looks creepy yeah it's it's part of one of the most we 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 did so much doom saying about hollywood and one thing that is positive to say is that and i've said it a million times horror is getting better in my opinion it's becoming more elevated the concept of an elevated horror movie obviously is a thing uh it's 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 getting recognized more and more as a art mm-hmm uh to the point that yeah it won a grand jury prize at sundance like that's huge that's huge for horror it's uh it's cool to see yeah and and there was a time when a movie like this might have been kind of difficult for for people to see uh but now it's not because it just goes to streaming and everybody has access to streaming so i mean well not you know not everybody but it's a lot easier a lot to, to, you know, there was one theater in, in my hometown growing up that showed independent film and like they only had one screen. So it's, yeah. you know, if we had one of those two yeah. and then it was killed by streaming. Yep. But then, <laughs> but then, yes, you're right. It does create a situation now where these things uh, uh, are available. Yeah. Distribution is a little easier for people to find movies. It will not... <laughs> it's a it's a double-edged sword anyway we don't need to get back into that <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about it for another 40 yeah, minutes yeah. It's now, e- uh, i was just saying it's easier to find unless hbo max gets rid of it so they don't have to pay anyone residuals <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's nanny yeah that's nanny. Uh, check out the trailer it deserved it deserved more hype when i first put it on this dock and it looks like yeah we we did it yeah, so congratulations won. everybody yeah <laughs> glad we could all be here for that um oh man i think that's i think we've done it i think that's a sewed i think i think we've completed one sewed uh jason thanks so much for being on the show uh you're welcome sorry to have kept kept it going so long uh, oh no yeah, it's, it's at every I, I plan for two hours every time you're the guest <laughs> yeah so. we know we know <laughs> we what's know. up we know we know what the deal but- is the book that I've been promoting for nine straight months is now finally out next month. The <laughs> 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 book is the last book in the John Dies at the End series. It is called If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. Otherwise, you can find me on any platform by Googling my name, Jason Pargin, P-A-R-G-I-N, including TikTok, which I now I now have a TikTok account. All righty. That's huge. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not, I'm, that's I'm not also, good news. I'm also on the TikToks, Jason, and it is terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> I signed up the other day, and uh, it is uh, the first thing it did was show me twenty-year-olds in bikinis constantly, and it was like, "You need to stop doing this. This is weird." 
Uh, and then I slowly started like liking things, and now it just shows me Minecraft videos, and I'm like, okay, you know who I am now. Uh, so I guess it's working out, but uh, I, I just want to say kudos for actually making TikToks. That's delightful. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> once again, getting paid nothing to do it, but uh, the weirdest thing about the world right now is if you're an author, you kind of have to be on TikTok to reach yeah. people. Yeah, like book um, book so, talk is huge. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> book talk. <laughs> Fuck. Um, no, that's 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 a whole hashtag. This is where the book reviewers are. This is where the book influencers are. Uh, if TikTokers are not talking about your book, you probably will not sell it. But yeah. anyway, get them TikToks. Yeah. Should we be get, on TikTok, get, Tom? Get them, gamefully? get them ticks talking. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe I don't know. We'll figure that out. Why don't you tell them some other stuff first? <laughs> All right, we have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. Uh, for five dollars a month, you get access to all our exclusive podcasts. Those being uh, Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Star Trek: The Next Futurama, and Spielboys. We also watch movies with our patrons every Friday night. We also have like custom podcasts you can all go on and get custom. We just watched episodes. Uh, you can you can. There's a tier where you can just ask for any uh type of podcasts you can imagine and we'll do it within reason so yeah check that out um we also have a store head over to gameplayunemployed.com where you can find a link to our teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts mugs stickers posters all sorts of things uh so go slap your 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 tiktok and peepers on that yeah do that (laughs) why not uh yeah why not that's 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 been our slogan i think for the past four years <laughs> uh, why not um all right i think that's it say goodbye everyone goodbye Bye, Bye. everyone Our music is produced by Chris Corlew. You can follow him on Twitter at at the Corlew, C-O-R-L-E-W, and find more music at shipwreckedsailor.bandcamp.com. Our channel artwork is produced by Michael Vincent Bramley. You can find more of his artwork at instagram.com slash mvbramleyart. Our episode artwork is produced by Justin Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at at Justin T. Brown, and find more of his artwork at artnessbyjustinbrown.com and justinbrown.info.